You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. Hakuna Matata, Brian, and all you questers out there. It is I, Justin, one of your two hosts here with, with my buddy Brian here. Hey, don't don't tease people, Justin. We're not we're not doing a Lion King episode. Well, yet. this is as close to a Lion King episode as we might do. So I mean we might do my Lion King at some yeah. point. It's also a stretch. I, I was thinking of how to say hello that's relevant to this audience that might be listening about zoos. And I don't know if Hakuna Matata actually works there because it means no worries. But, you know, sometimes words like that also mean hello. So, yeah, why not? And if you're listening to this, maybe we have some worries about you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, thanks for, for listening in. This is, what, is this episode 37, Brian? We, uh, this is actually my favorite number. Is it? Yeah, 37. Really? So this is going to be a lucky episode for us. Why? I don't know. That's Uh, a weird number to be your favorite. uh, If you ask me to think of a random number off the top of my head, it's always 37. Huh. Okay. So if you're, yeah, just, I don't know if that can help you in life at all. I mean, (laughs) yeah, if you're ever, like the official of something and you ask for a random number between 1 and 50 i'm gonna say 37 yeah. from now on yeah that's if you remember that kudos to you okay um but and, yeah and all you listeners now know that too yep yep you can now uh figure that out i guess but yeah yeah so thank you again for all you you listeners tuning in um we are talking about zoos today brian it's zoos zoos yes um it's a fun word yeah yeah, and a, and a fun topic, too. There's some interesting stuff that, that we'll kind of go over as per our usual format. We'll have some news. We'll have some knowledge that we'll drop, and then we'll get into some fun debates and some crazy thinking. Okay. So. I'm down. You're down? Yeah. Down the zoo talk? Sure. Well, let's uh, let's start this off with a little bit from uh, – we like to catch the group up on where we are in our lives. Brian, why don't you kick it off? Well, I'm living a really boring life right now. I'm uh, uh, I've been binge watching House of Cards on Netflix. Okay, finally getting to the sh- show that a lot of people have already sure. watched. So, but I, I enjoy it. What uh, what season are you? Three. Okay, I think I got four seasons in, and then I just and then you're done. Lost interest, okay. and it's not that the show gets bad. It's just different yeah um and i kind of just it was exhausting as some of those shows tend to be you know not to get too political but i just continue to think like i mean there has to be a little bit of truth to what's actually taking place but it almost worries me because so many of the things like people joke about how the simpsons and things are coming to real life and we're getting to a point where in politics and everything that some of these things are actually coming yeah to real life and and people almost accept them as the norms because they've seen them on on tv shows sure and that shouldn't be the case oh yeah for sure and um just watching that show it makes me i think it also at the same time not using the simpsons as an example uh, because that's a little satire and different but with house of cards you actually 
kind of like, oh, is this how it is sometimes? Yeah. Like, is this how some people win office or how this yeah. decision gets and, made? And so. yeah, yeah, votes are are swayed yeah. because so and so needs something, and mm-hmm. it's kind of this entire negotiation rather than actually voting on right what you actually believe and yeah. and best suits your people at all time. Yep. Yeah, so it, I do like the show, um, but it yeah, it's yeah. it's just deep. All right, and you have golf on your list again. Yeah, yeah. I um, I went out golfing. I did I did three things. Uh, I went to a comedy show on Friday night. Oh, okay. I uh, saw Joe Rogan and uh, Dave Chappelle. Oh, how's uh, that? That was good. Yeah, yeah. I thought Tacoma that, Dome, right? Yep. I yeah. thought it was not going to be my cup of tea, but it was actually pretty funny. I had I had to warm up a little bit. I didn't realize Joe Rogan was a comedian. Yeah, I did not either, and uh, I mean, I guess I, I knew lightly, but for him to tour with Chappelle, it was pretty yeah intense. And and I thought it was kind of relevant to this, as he is one of the top podcasters uh, in the world. So his his uh, podcast, Joe Rogan podcast, is just. But is that a comedy? It's I don't. It's not a comedy. It's more. He has guests on the show, yeah. and um, they just talk about different topics and whatnot. I'm sure that there's. There's definitely comedic aspects yeah. to it, but it's not a comedy podcast. Probably funnier than us. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, you guys be the judge of that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I did that. I did golf again. Um, I played in uh, Glen Eagle, which is up north okay. uh, of Seattle. Yeah. I stunk for 12 of the holes, like the first 12, like one of the worst rounds I was playing. Yeah. And then I finished pretty good like, okay uh ended on a par so i was happy with that keeps you coming uh, back it does it does and uh so that that was a lot of fun i just um played played for a couple hours there and then on sunday i actually um built so uh, my wife and i are trying to go on a uh camping trip at the end of august okay and uh we're gonna try to stay out of our car so oh. we built we your built, suv I yes assume. yeah see we have a csv see CRV? CRV. CRV. Yeah. yeah. SUV. Um, I mean. Yeah. But yeah, so we built something in the back that allows it to be flat instead of like two layers. Um, so we went to Lowe's. We got some wood. We wow. built it all ourselves. Like custom. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it was, I will say it was trying on our marriage. Uh-huh. Um, I'm imagining that the camping in the back of the car is going to be trying on your it marriage. It may be. Too? It may be. I'm optimistic on that. As long as we don't need to build anything together during have that you, time. Have you actually laid down in the back of your car? I have since I built the thing because yeah. we wanted to test it out. But we, we bought it or we we, bought, we uh, built it and then we bought a mattress like that goes for SCRV or SUV. And then you put it on top of it and I laid on it. And it's pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. It's straight. It's got hinges so it folds and everything. It's uh, We can store stuff underneath it. It's uh, I'm I'm pretty proud of it. We once we got into a groove, everything was smooth sailing. But the first start of when we were like, it should be this, it should be this. It was, it was tough. So in a couple of weeks, you're saying we are going to be doing a camping podcast. We might have to to yeah. recap your experience. We and might have to. That could there could be a lot to camping that we could talk about. So why not? All right. Well, that that was pretty much it for me. But uh, let's let's jump into the news there, Brian. <laughs> Justin, along the lines of some zoo news, uh, when I typed in 
Zoo News into Google. Uh huh. About the first, I don't know, ten to fifteen results were the exact same story. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, "Well, should I take this from him?" <laughs> I and I took it from. I'll you. give it to you. I'll give it to you because I was seeing the same thing. I was like, "Well, I can't do that." Yeah. Article. Um, but that's totally fine. So this comes out of the San Diego area. The San Diego Zoo has uh, successfully, it, well, a rhino in the San Diego Zoo has successfully given birth to the first artificially conceived white. Uh, southern rhino the mother's name was victoria victoria gave birth sunday to a healthy southern white rhino male calf after about 30 minutes of labor in case you were wondering i was curious victoria was artificially inseminated from frozen semen from mato who passed away in 2018 wow that's a thing yeah but okay okay uh, she carried the calf for over 493 days. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting fact, you know, the southern and northern white rhinos are, are uh, on the endangered list and almost extinct. There are only two northern white rhinos that remain on Earth. Okay. We were talking about the southern white rhinos. Yeah. But the hope is... So the the last um, northern white rhino, um, Sudan, died in March of 2018, and uh, scientists preserved sperm samples from several of the males um, and are hoping after this successful artificial insemination from the southern white rhino that they can do something very similar for the northern white rhino yeah. by artificially inseminating a southern white rhino with the northern yeah sperm without getting into the nitty-gritty of how they do all of that cuz that seems odd to me <laughs> but that aside like that's that's pretty amazing that they're able to this is an endangered species yeah. that they are trying to help survive yeah. right and you know sure there are factors that have kind of pulled them maybe apart and things that have made them endangered and all that but the fact that they're trying to save them uh, within the zoos is pretty pretty awesome yeah and the technology behind it i think is is pretty cool to just think about you know it's kind of along those jurassic park lines sure yeah of, that was the first thing that came to my head was yeah jurassic park. yeah and now we're not going to necessarily be taking the uh, blood from mosquitoes that are encapsulated in in amber, but um, you know to be able to help these species continue to live on because there are a lot of other species that rely on these rhinos to you know survive and live because they help with the entire ecosystem of of where they are from. So mm-hmm. you know it's important to to do this research and, and get this right so that we're not killing off these, these animals. Yeah. And I'll say too, before we get too far into this, I don't know about you, Brian, but this topic can get very polarizing, very fast. Uh, I am choosing to stay on the positive light of this, uh, though I completely understand that there's a lot of different opinions on all of this and we could debate for days about if if zoos are good or not or all that other stuff yeah but 
and, and in a hundred years they may be extinct like they may not exist sure yeah and and we'll talk about a couple of things that that maybe yeah but i think exist that what don't. what we've kind of chosen to to focus on in this podcast is just l- learning about what zoos are all about and um and you know so we're not necessarily trying to make a statement on if they're good or bad um though at times it may you know come off um that way based off of the data that we we provide so Anyway, two things. I actually have um, I have one main article, but I wanted to bring up another thing too. So the one main article I have was on um, a gorilla. So um, the oldest living western lowland gorilla, um, which was at the age of 63, has unfortunately just passed away um, in the... Um, in an Arkansas zoo. So this is a really quick story, but I thought it was interesting in that uh, the little the Little Rock Zoo had her for 31 years uh, on Thursday and when she passed on Thursday night. And gorillas like her typically live to be about 40 in the wild and 50 in human care, according to the National huh. Zoo. Interesting. So she outlived them by more than a decade, which I think, Again, I, I thought that was pretty crazy. Also interesting that they live longer in human care. Um, but I think the thing that, that kind of stuck with me is that if you've been working that, excuse me, at that zoo for a long time, yeah, I mean, you've probably grown attached yeah. to this gorilla uh, over the years. I mean, 31 years, that's older than me. Um, and, you know, that's just, that's wild. 31 years to be in one spot, not even the whole age of the gorilla so i thought that was interesting and then the only other thing i had was and i i wanted to talk about it but i thought it wouldn't fit because it it's not necessarily an animal but a lot there's this one zoo and i forget which zoo in particular they have um there's multiple throughout other zoos but one of the news stories was that this corpse flower have you ever heard of a corpse flower oh yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. so i i had never heard of it and i went down this rabbit hole of like what's a corpse flower and this whole thing but apparently it uh, is very rare, one, to see one, but then two, to, for them to bloom. Yeah. And so there's this a bunch of news stories about, oh, it's about to, it's about to bloom. It's, about to, it's almost like a blue moon almost. Um, and when it happens, the science behind it is that it exudes this awful, rotten, corpse-smelling um, scent that brings all the flies and bugs to it. And then it then closes in, and then it eats them. Um, so it's kind of like a Venus flytrap, but it's less stickiness and more like I'm going to make this smell awful, and you're going to all fly to me. And it's it's a big plant yeah. too. So I thought that was really cool. There was one recently that was blooming um, at one of the zoos. Yeah, I think uh, the Amazon Spheres had one not that long ago oh, here really? in in Seattle. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was that was it for for my news. All right, let's drop some zoo knowledge. So, zoos have a long history, very long history. Okay, it really even dating back to three thousand five hundred BC in Egypt and Mesopotamia, there was found to be some zoological gardens or men- menageries. Which menageries. menageries? I think is my new favorite word. Have you ever heard? I've I've heard of menageries before, but never in reference to like 
wildlife or area. I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm in that, or maybe I'm thinking of tapestry. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's probably. It. Yeah, I don't know because I think menagerie is something. Is, I've heard of the word before. I yeah. know that much, but yeah. I have no idea what it means. And so royals kept these animals, uh, wild animals, as as pets back in, in this three thousand BC. Um, so antelopes, baboons, hyenas, cheetahs, cranes, or falcons, and they kept them because they were either two things: they were thought to be sacred. Or that taming these animals was demonstrating the power of the kings. Sure. We move a little bit forward to the 13th century BC, and they started to tame and, and uh, hold larger animals like elephants and, yeah. and giraffes. And then in the the 6th century BC, I'm going to butcher this name, but Siena Shirib, Shirib mm-hmm. king of Asia okay. created a marsh-like environment and garden in his royal city for his animals to live. And this cool. was really the first quote-unquote menagerie. Okay. Aristotle uh, in the 4th century BC, uh, he had the most famous of the Greek menageries and he studied all these animals um, and eventually wrote a book called History of Animals. Okay. Moving forward to about 2000, you know, 1000 to 2000 BC, China, uh, they developed walled enclosures to keep their animals similar to zoos. Um, So you kind of have this evolution all over the world taking place where people are keeping these animals. In the medieval period, Elizabeth I put leopards on display and they were the first animals to be displayed in public. And this was actually at the Tower of London. Okay. And it cost a half pence. Or, <laughs> this sounds really terrible, but a dog or cat to feed the animals. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. People are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I hope they're not bringing their pet dogs I, or cats. I don't know. I don't know. I saw that in multiple places, and so I, I mean, when how how are far back is this? This was uh, during the middle medieval period. You know, like not that long ago. Imagine people lining but... up with their cats in their arms. So the oldest known zoo was the Terra Garden, uh, Terra Garden Schaumburg in Vienna, which opened in 1752. Um, and it was once the Royal Lion Park. Uh, we move forward to the 8th, 18th century and um, zoos in Madrid and Paris started to open. Uh, London's zoo in Regent's Park opened in 1824 or 28, excuse me. And that really became the symbol of a modern zoo. It was the first zoo dedicated to public viewing and scientific research. So prior to that, all the zoos that had been built were either for public viewing or for scientific research, but never mm-hmm. the combination of both. Okay, cool. Uh, it also had the first glass house and apiary for birds. So, like when you walk into the bird area and you're like walking through the birds, which I always find a little terrifying because, yes, the birds aren't, you know, predatory, but who knows what they're going to do. Yeah. Like, 
poop, yeah. poop on your head or well that's the least of your worries but they start dive bombing yeah you. yeah have you ever seen the movie the birds oh yeah i have yeah. um and uh you know it's hitchcock right yeah yeah and uh it's it's pretty scary uh interesting enough my wife is i wouldn't go as far as saying terrified but she hates birds um so if there's even a pigeon that's on the ground she'll like hide behind me um and i'm like it's just a dumb little bird but but yeah so there's uh like i don't happens though you say it's a dumb little bird and it well yeah for sure um but uh yeah so she she just does not like birds and they they scare her um so i feel like letting her watch that movie would be uh her worst nightmare that and snakes whatever reason well i guess that's not a shocker most people don't like that yeah uh in 1860 central park zoo was the first zoo to be opened in america and it was soon followed by the philadelphia zoo in 1874 we're always up there in history you know philly represents all the time you guys are just old well yeah (laughs) that's true so one of the interesting things that i found was um all throughout this time period, there were not just zoos for wild animals, but there was also zoos that contained human beings so, from various places around the world. And, <laughs> you know, most recently, now they're not like jail, like barred um, or behind glass walls always, but there are these almost exhibits even into the the 20th century uh i'm i saw a report of the 1904 world's fair had over a thousand filipinos that made up this little village that you know they dressed like quote unquote you know authentic cultural um and reenacted you know what daily life in a filipino village would be you know, I've got one that's 1958 World's Fair in Brussels featured another colony and village. Um, so, vi- you know, visitors could experience these. There's cultures. so much to unpack here, Brian. I One, I'm shocked that this would be connected to the zoo experience. But two, that this was a thing that they're actually bringing over. Did you say thousands or hundreds? Thousand. Thousand, a thousand a thousand people from another country for other people's enjoyment is that correct yeah kind of i mean i don't know if it's necess- to be it's, like oh i am here i am and i'm walking through this like authentic yeah, town yeah it's yeah. experiential yeah i mean i would I, I guess it's not all that different than a zoo in that scenario then because you'd capture an animal or get an animal and you you know you're not holding it captive per se i'm sure there's people i would hope that those people are not captive but yeah so it's it's called a number of scaled quote-unquote living exhibits living exhibits so it's a 47 this is this is the 1904 world's fair a 47 acre area with more than a thousand filipinos from dozens of of tribes wild uh by that logic would you consider epcot a zoo 
No, because that's mostly actor. Oh, well. A lot of them, I would, walking through Epcot a couple months ago, I genuinely, I'm convinced that the people that are in those areas are, are at least can speak the language, at least have the accent. Yeah. They feel, they look and feel like they're from the air. I would not be surprised. The guy from Germany, when I was there, he, he was straight from Germany. Uh, he was talking to us about where he was from. Um, and you could definitely tell the accent too. But so it almost is like small little groups of, I mean, there's certainly not a thousand and it, and it is a level of, there is a level of acting, is, right? Like they're wearing yeah, cl- yeah. clothes that they wouldn't typically wear if they were here. But yeah, this is getting deep. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like I've never thought humans and zoos, and that's just kind of is baffling me in general. Yeah, definitely. But. You know, back in the 19th and 20th century, or early 20th century, it was definitely more of a kind of slavery situation where, like, the people there are – I don't think necessarily there by their own free will and being I, treated correctly yeah. and you know they're being told they have to wear their traditional sure. gear which is a lot of times very very skimpy and extreme right. and so not necessarily the what you would want to wear in St. Louis you know during the World's Fair. Right. Uh, man, I'm <laughs> this is getting deeper than I thought but I, it's it's it is kind of funny, you know. You separate animals and humans. Some people don't, but I typically am like, I know difference there. But then, by looking at it from that perspective, it's like, wow, you are doing that to animals, yeah. right? Like yeah, you're you're doing sure. the same exact thing to animals, yep. and we're just like going there to kind of enjoy. You know, they yep. can't speak, but and then you're separating human species based off of you know yeah. where the person is born yeah. and all that type of stuff yeah. because yeah culturally yeah. culturally you want to experience it and yeah yeah getting getting really deep here <laughs> but uh we'll move on in, in into the 1930s uh safari zoo parks started to become a thing okay so the whipsnade zoo in england i didn't know but this was nope. apparently the Never first safari zoo park okay and then we move forward to the 1970s, and this is really where zoos started to shift their focus a lot in okay. terms of, you know, yes, earlier there was some scientific research and, and you know, some of it was public viewing, but some of it was the scientific research. But in the 1970s was really when we saw the shift to a com- conservation effort okay. from zoos and preserving, you know wildlife species and making sure that they were doing all they could do to actually treat the animals in humane ways and making sure that their lives were good cool so a couple fun facts that i found Uh, a bear cub named winnipeg was exported from canada to the london zoo in 1915 a little boy named christopher robin milney visited Winnipeg or Winnie for short and his love for the bear cub inspired the stories written by his father A.A. Milne about Winnie the Pooh nice yeah there's a there is a there's a movie about 
that backstory. Uh, I haven't watched it, but I've been intrigued to. I'm curious if they talk about the zoo influence and what kind of inspired. Oh, that. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, it's I, in the last couple of years that it came out. It's, it's I think it's called Christopher Robin. Oh, that was not at all about the backstory of how they met. I watched it. Oh, it wasn't? No. Oh, I thought no. that would have been connected. It was Christopher Robin all grown up. Oh, hmm. okay. Never mind. Yeah. Good thing he did that. Otherwise, people are going to go to the, to watch the movie. Yeah. No, it was guy. nothing about that backstory. Mm. I, I, it was Christopher Robin was all grown up, and uh, Winnie the Pooh comes out of the Hundred Acre Forest and into London. Yeah. And finds Christopher Robin. Okay. And chaos ensues. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, the last thing I have is that China retains ownership of all giant pandas around the world and on all the different zoos. And they're actually selectively loaned out to other countries. The fee for a pair of giant pandas is usually $1 million per year with the funds going to conservation efforts in China. Rentals typically last about 10 years with a renewal option. That... Well... How... I mean, that's great that it's going to conservation. That's awesome that if you were to rent, that would, that would love that. But how do they own all of them? Well, because that's if, – if China is the only place that the giant panda lives. Yeah, but what – I guess could you rent two and then breed them? And uh, then you would then oh, that's a good question. own the rights to the child? Well, so fee for a pair. I wonder if it's always male and female. Yeah. That they give out. Yeah. But then they don't own the market if they're if these animals are having babies. Yeah, I, I, I would guess that they don't allow well I don't know. I don't know. It's it, it just was interesting that they claimed ownership of all all of them and that they rent them out and then you have to give them back or whatever it is. Um that seems like a very odd business, but Again, I'm glad that it the funds are going towards conservation, and hopefully they're living good lives wherever they are. Yeah, I'm sure they are. If if a zoo can pay a million dollars a year, yeah, for ten years, ten million dollars. That's probably pretty hopefully good. Hopefully that people are coming to see them. I guess. All right. Well, a couple stats on my front. Um, so there are 236 accredited zoos keyword accredited uh and aquariums in 11 countries 134 of which are zoos so a lot of those are aquariums accredit accreditation is that right sound right accreditation uh occurs every five years uh and approximately 25 institutions undergo the accredit accreditation process every six months but I, I thought that number was actually pretty low uh, overall. But I, again, I think accredited is the key word there um, because there's a lot of wannabe zoos or close to zoos um, that, you know, aren't quite there. Yeah, I wonder if that means you can't use the word zoo. That, that could be. Maybe they're using menagerie instead. <laughs> My favorite word, <laughs> menagerie. Go. So... Uh, approximately 800,000 animals are in the care of uh, accredited zoos and aquarium professionals. 
6,000 species, 1,000 uh, threatened or endangered species. $231 million were spent in support of conservation projects every year. And uh, accredited zoos and aquariums contributed more than $22.5 billion to the U.S. economy in 2016. That was the most recent number I had. And they serve more than 200 million annual visitors worldwide. So a lot of people come through for the zoos. Yeah. 185 million uh, are in the U.S., so almost most of that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I would say most zoos are probably in the United yes. States because we're just that type of people. Yep. I, I know I've said this before, but... There are stereotypes for America, and as we do this research like this, I'm like, yeah, zoos, that's an American thing. Yeah. Yeah, let's, you know, put some animals behind, you know, a a wall or a glass box and then call it a day and look at them for a while. Yeah, and people will pay to go see them. Yes, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's interesting. But uh, I was... I thought this this would be an easy thing to find, but it really wasn't. Um, But I was trying to find the largest zoos that are around. So one of them came up, uh, and there's some interesting notes to it. So the Henry Dorley Zoo, uh, this is in, uh, I believe, the United States. I'll make sure I get that right, Brian, if you want to confirm that. Um, Actually, sorry, it's in in Omaha. It's right here in my description. Um, So in Omaha is home to about 17,000 animals, 962 species, um, but but it's known for featuring the largest cat complex in North America and the world's largest indoor swamp, um, the world's largest indoor desert, as well as the largest glazed geodesic dome in the world. So... I thought that was kind of cool Glazed that they have. geodesic. Yeah, if you look up the Henry Dor- Dorley Zoo, uh, it's got this big old um, dome over it. Kind of like the Tacoma Dome, but all glass. Or at least when I looked at oh, it. Oh, like glazed as in glass? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking glazed Gla- donut. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they uh, put some nice glazed icing on it. Um, and yeah, called it a day. Um, but, you know, so there's some of some big ones there. But in terms of acreage, that one's not the biggest. Um, so the largest acres that I could find is the Aragnar Anna Zoological Park. Um, yeah, now you get the tough names. Yeah, I got a couple of them. Um, so that park uh, is the largest zoo- zoological park in India and houses 2,553 species of flora and fauna. Do you know what flora and fauna is? Uh, I had to look this up. Flowers and shrubbery and trees? Yeah, flora and fauna and uh, are, are um, basically plants and animals. Yeah. So, oh, fauna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fauna is animals. Yeah. Um, and it is the largest zoo in the world by acreage. I don't think... Personally, I don't think that because that sounds like a safari zoo. Mm-hmm. I don't think that counts. I'm just gonna throw that. I mean, there. it has zoo in their title, not menagerie zoo, Brian. Uh, it's a place that I don't know. I does it, why? What constitutes a zoo for you? A, a safari park I, or zoo is different to me than a 
a traditional modern zoo. You can't go driving through a like if you drive through the this safari. This is the entrance to the zoo here. Like there's walking it's like paved this is looks like a regular zoo. It looks like Jurassic Park. It does look a little bit like Jurassic Park. Um but this place is huge. But again, it's not like a zoo isn't like a big box. It's it's a there's a fence around it, sure, but you know, I'm sure that that's the case for this as well. So I think there's aspects of it um, that are similar to a safari. Maybe there's a safari within it, but I I think it's still a zoo. Um, but regardless, so that's that's one of the biggest ones. Um, and then I, I there were some interesting uh, stats that I had, um, and I, I'm calling this beyond the zoo here. Uh, so this is where we kind of test the outside boundaries of of animal ownership and whatnot so between 5,000 and 7,000 tigers are kept as pets wait what 5,000 and between five and 7,000 tigers are kept as pets not in zoos like as pets as pets yeah not in zoos this is outside this is beyond the zoo so okay <laughs> there are five to seven thousand crazy people out there more than out that's oh sorry that's what i wanted to confirm that is more than out in the wild wow there are 32 according to this there are 3200 out in the wild wow yeah a so you can actually buy so this is another interesting thing so if you wanted to, and the, the article I was reading, and this kind of, again, paints the dark side of, of uh, animals and whatnot, but, or people, people. if you yeah, not, not animals. Not animals. Not animals. Animals are good. Um, but you can, buy, uh, you can buy animals of any level um, or most any level um, because uh, you can find them on websites and you can buy animals just like you would a dog. Um, so I'll read off a couple of these to you. Um, if you wanted to buy a chicken, Brian, that would cost you about 10 bucks. It's pretty similar. People have them as pets or, you know, will get their eggs from them. Yep. I had had chickens when I was growing up. Yeah. There you go. Uh, if you wanted a, uh, Bernese Python, that would cost you about 200 bucks. Not that crazy. People have snakes. Um, yeah. Then we start getting into some interesting ones. If you wanted an African lion cub, that would cost you five hundred dollars. What? Yeah. Um, okay, but but it's not legal to in a lot of areas. It's not legal. So I'll get to that in a minute after we go through some of these. Uh, if you wanted a olive baboon, it would cost you one thousand dollars. That makes no sense. A kangaroo, three thousand. Okay, now we're now we're a, getting closer a, numbers than I would. A two-toed sloth, three thousand. Okay. A spider monkey, six thousand six hundred. Really. And uh, the last one they had as an example was a giraffe. Do you want you know how much a giraffe would cost you if you wanted one as a pet, Brian? Eight thousand. Much higher. This one. Oh. It, it, it's it's up there. Fifteen. $60,000 for a giraffe. They don't mess around. Like full-grown or baby? I don't know. That's an interesting question. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Um, 
but you you alluded to the fact that you know there's some some laws out there so i yeah i did Just probably a few yeah so uh i i didn't want to get too far down that rabbit hole but the one thing i wanted to state was that in nine states no pun intended there are no laws on ownership of animals those states are alabama idaho missouri nevada north carolina south carolina ohio west virginia and wisconsin huh yeah and there's others that so that's probably where you see a lot of unaccredited zoos probably yes and then you also have there's i forget what the number was but it was probably around the same number of states that you just need to um, ask for a permit essentially and then you're good and then the rest of the states are like, yeah, you're crazy if you're going to own these things. Washington, thankfully, is one of those. Yeah. Um, I don't I, – I, can you imagine if you're living in Ohio? Ohio, of all places. Yeah. And you're, like, walking down the street and you see – you're, like, walking by this your this person's backyard and they got a freaking lion yeah. in it. Yeah. Like, you're next to our neighbor and you look over the fence and – yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, we can joke about these things. But that's scary. <laughs> like, I, I and again, like, yeah, I, I, I've, I've dreamt up like, oh, what would, what kind of animal would I like to have if I, you know, I could have any animal. And yeah. It's like, man, if it's legal, and I, I had no idea that some states are like, yeah, whatever you want, go ahead. <laughs> like, if you can afford an, a, a giraffe, go get a giraffe and just have it hang out in your backyard. Like, weird. It is crazy out there, but. So I wanted to share some of those numbers. That was all I had on the stats category, but um, it is it is odd out there. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I guess we'll do some friendship test. We just become best friends. Yep. All right, Justin. We've talked about zoos, safari parks, touched on aquariums a little bit. When you like, what's your choice? What what would you prefer to go to if if you had to pick one of those three destinations? Sure, uh, it's best when they're all together, uh, which is hard to find. But um, that would be a terrible answer to this question. But uh, I would say, for me, it's probably the safari. The aquarium's great. I do like aquariums, but I've also been to some boring ones. I am not the biggest fan of the Seattle Aquarium. Yeah. But I've been to, like, Baltimore's aquarium is pretty vast. Um, there's some other aquariums I've been to that are like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Zoos, same thing. You can go to some, like, eh, zoos and whatnot. Um, I've I've only done a couple safaris um, and uh, or, like, light safaris are in America when I've done them. But uh, they're... I just for whatever reason they feel more authentic to me and i like that aspect of yeah. it um i don't know this is a, maybe you know this question there's um there's a, the olympic game farm do you are you familiar with that it's in mm. squim washington no i didn't realize i was going to bring this up but there's this <laughs> olympic game farm in squim washington look it up um where you can basically drive through and they just have a bunch of wildlife in it. And yeah. your your car is driving through. And the, I think one of the crazy – and it is, you know, I guess this is kind of a back in the day. Um, 
So if you want to drop it. Might as well. It's been a few weeks since we've dropped it. Yeah. 1.21 So um, one of my first uh, crazy experiences in Washington was actually going to this um, Olympic game farm. And uh, like I was saying, you're driving through this area where there's just animals all over the place. And uh, one of the more prominent ones are like, uh, uh, bison that are yeah. around and yeah. these are massive animals and so um, one of the points you're you're driving down and you can feed the part of it is you can feed the animals so you have they give you a loaf or you, you either buy a loaf of bread from them or you bring it and then you that sounds not like a good thing to do i yeah sure but the, i mean the animals i think that the animals that are out are pretty friendly um, but you drive through, and then you can feed them. And some of the most more interesting points of it is, one, there is, is spots where there, it's a little bit caged off, um, but there's a uh, bear that's in that area, um, and, you know, he can kind of wander. He's got a pretty large space where he can kind of do whatever he wants, but he just sits there like a, gu- like, a, like a gummy bear. Like, you know what a gummy bear? Like, he's just sitting up. He's got his arms down. And all he does is you drive by is just open up his mouth. And then people will throw bread, yeah. and then you, he'll catch the bread and eat it, and then he just opens up his mouth, and you, just, you can either keep doing it. You're supposed to keep moving. Um, but you essentially are feeding him, and he, like, he, he looks like the happiest bear ever. Um, he's just constantly eating. And then, um, but later in the park, there's the bison, and the bison are huge animals. And there's other big animals I, th- I don't know if there's elk or i forget what it is maybe it's not elk but just massive animals and you can feed them too um and the bison will come up and they're smart i mean all animals a lot of animals are smart but the what the bison will do is they have they work in pair in groups of three at least and you'll be driving you're supposed that what they tell you and instruct you as you go is to continue driving do not stop your car right but what the bison will do is one of like two of them will come to your side and the other one he's his job is to stop your car yeah so he stops he doesn't move he just sits right in front of your car and then you're just there and you got two massive bison that are and and if you put your window down to feed them i have i think i have a picture somewhere where you just like the head is just half in the car its tongue is slobbering ever it's like super gross i I just have these really this is one of my favorite places in washington i'm so glad that it just naturally came up in this conversation but the where i just have these amazing memories of my wife i think i my mom like took my mom there once yeah um and just we're all screaming in the car i'm laughing hysterically just like the animals are just taking over and it's it's amazing it's a lot of fun highly recommended if you're in washington to go to swim and uh yeah so that, that was my back before you day. do get your car insured for bison attacks mm, yes yes for <laughs> sure and that was my old car too so maybe i'd be a little more hesitant now that i have a newer car yeah. but um but i mean they i don't think anybody ever really damages you just do need a car wash afterwards so was it was it all I mean, obviously, bison are not in the Pacific Northwest necessarily, but they're a fairly regional yeah. animal. Yeah. It, it, was it all pretty regional animals? 
Yes, it was. Um, but there, there's some exceptions. Like they have certain spots where they have, like they have some cats that uh, are a part of the exhibit. Now they're not walking around outside. They're more a little more caged. Yeah. You can't feed those. They're more just that's more like a zoo to me. But this aspect where the animal, you're kind of a part of it, was more that safari feel, and I love it. Uh, it's just it's awesome. And we we did something similar in. Uh, or kind of similar in Disney with with the safari, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been to one down in Oregon as well. Okay, uh, it it was a little bit more, I think, a little bit more traditional safari than like Pacific Northwesty, and like it it had more of the bison or not bison. Um, uh, shoot, what are they called? Um, Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of like water buffalo. You know, you had more uh, animals from that would come from your traditional African safari, mm-hmm. um, elephants and giraffes and things like that down there because the temperature just lends itself to be able to do that. And, and it was a little bit more arid climate with, with a little bit more heat. So I, I can't imagine that they would be able to do that you know the drafts and things like that in a safari setting up here sure. especially in squim because it rains so much you'd have to be able to almost house them every day but i remember watching all the elephants holding each other's tail you know as they walked oh and, that's cool yeah so nice um yeah so that's my, that that's my little back in the day cool did you have a favorite of the three between zoo, aquarium, and Oh, safari? yeah. Sorry, I forgot to actually answer yeah. your question. I'm going to have to agree with you on the safari. It's just it's more of a natural thing. I'm not someone who has to go see. Like, when I go see something, I don't have to have that instant gratification of, oh, it's right there, and... Mm-hmm it has no place to hide so there is no other option than for me to be able to see it like yeah if i drive through at the wrong time of day and i don't see anything well okay yeah i'm a little disappointed but that's part of the whole experience here's a random question for you i don't know if it's even relates to this one but when i was in bali a couple of years ago or last year i don't remember um we went to the in this place called the monkey forest and you'd pay to go in, yeah. But there's nothing like stopping the monkeys from leaving. Um, but it's just because so many people go through, and because there's a lot of wildlife there, yeah. or a lot of greenage and trees and all that, the monkeys just live and love that place. Yeah. Would that be considered a zoo? In your opinion? That's or a good question. I mean, it, it's certainly a menagerie because it's a grouping of animals, yeah. but. I don't know if I mean, and you pay to go in. It's more of a donation, but it's you still pay to go in. I, I just feel like a zoo. I, it's it's chaos. If it, I would never picture a zoo as something that you or that it just open, for, like they can just escape. Yeah. Whenever they want. Yeah, it's more of a park. Yeah. Than anything else. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I mean, it'd be question. no different than driving through Yosemite or yeah, or Glacier and okay. driving through the bison. Yeah, and okay, that so that stuff, would right? be yeah, you'd pay that makes to go sense. into there. 
that okay that's more aligned um all right well back to this brian what when you're going to a a zoo what is your favorite animal or animal exhibit i have to go with the penguins oh okay for some reason i just love penguins yeah penguins i don't know cool. why i like the big emperor pen- penguins yes like when they're the little ones that can kind of survive in a little bit of heat and don't need the cold doesn't do it for me you have yeah. to be like the frigid cold penguins that waddle around and can yeah. swim and all that kind of stuff yeah and i feel like it's harder to find some of the emperor penguins too like yeah so whenever you can have or find them they're, they're penguins are awesome i got nothing bad to say about penguins so you know there's that but um, uh, but my animal could eat your penguins. Um, the polar bear? No, no. Oh. Um, no, I actually, I, I was really debating over this because I, I was between uh, a gorilla um, or a uh, tiger. And I think I'm landing on tiger. Um, I just think they look really cool. Um, the only thing that I would say that's negative to those the to the cats is that they're most of the time they're just lying around doing nothing yeah and um so you know but when you see them you're like oh like that's that's one of those moments i guess you might do that with penguins although usually the penguins are with multiple penguins but whenever you're at a a zoo and you're like oh you get to that exhibit and you're like where are they where are they you're like there it is like it's in that den or it's right over there or whatever uh i I just feel like there's excitement tied to lions and tigers, and I would say a tiger is probably tigers just look cooler to me. Than- but they're just sitting there. They're I know lazy cats. Yeah, most of the time. I know, but they look awesome. Um, and uh, and if you know that, like if you've seen them in their natural habitat, which I haven't seen them myself, but just on you know videos and whatnot, uh, they are majestic animals. One thing I did want to know real quick, uh, Zootunes, the kind of, I think it's been a fairly recent, yeah. you know, last 15 years sure. influx or, or I don't know what you want to call it, but these concerts in, held in zoos, I'm assuming to get people to go, come into the zoo, yeah. help. Is it, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I, I think... Zoo lights, yeah. you know, those type of... I, I, I support it. Catch. I mean, you, you have to from a mark from a marketing perspective like you have to get people to come in your doors however you can do that um go for it i I think those things you know are utilizing the venue space when it's not typically used yeah um so i think that's where you know you're not i would hope that you're not creating a negative experience for the animals and i don't think you're really even interacting with the animals from the sounds of some of these things maybe some zoo tune type places actually like loud noises yeah are hanging out with the animals but i, I don't i don't I'm, i have nothing against them from what i know of it i don't have any yeah issues. i've never been so yeah I, I'm, same uh, i don't know that i've ever been like oh man i'm gonna go to the zoo and i'm gonna go to zoo tunes because yeah. x y or z is yeah performing i'm just like man from a concert perspective, I don't know that it would be the most. No yeah. zoos were creating their amphitheaters for concerts in mind. No, you know, like uh, 
there are very little demonstrations yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, and like big lawn areas that they turned into a concert venue, and so I don't know that it's the best viewing potential and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. All right, Brian, I got a, a, an interesting one for you. So you have to pick one of these zoos to visit, and these are some some somewhat unique zoos that are around there. Um, so option one is the High Altitude Zoo, the only specialized zoo in India and the largest high altitude altitude zoo in India, Padmaja Nadu Himalayan Zoological Park. Yep. Uh, okay. That one. No, that um, one. That uh, specializes in breeding animals for alpine conditions, including snow leopards, Tibetan wolves, red pandas, Himalayan. Ooh, the red panda. Yeah, Himal- Himalayan newts. Uh, the zoo is also home to blue sheep, blood peasants, and Bhutan, Bhutan uh, green peacock or gray pe- peacock peasants. Satire tragopans. I've never even heard of some of these things. And Himalayan monals. Um, so that is the high altitude zoo. Okay. Remember that. Okay. Uh, the second option is zoo in a rainforest. The Panaiwa Rainforest Zoo and Gardens in Hilo, Hawaii. Hilo. Hilo, Hawaii, thank you, uh, is the only U.S. zoo located in a rainforest. At just 12 acres, Panaiwa is a small zoo, but it boasts a popular white Bengal tiger named Namaste, who was given to the zoo by the Las Vegas magician Dirk Arthur. Um, The Free Zoo is home to more than 80 different animal species, a petting zoo, and a butterfly house. So that's the zoo in the rainforest. And then the last one is the Koala Sanctuary. Uh, Australia naturally is home to the world's oldest and largest koala sanctuary, Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary. In addition to the koalas, the sanctuary is home to other Australian animals, including kangaroos, Tasmanian devils, wombats, Echidnas? Wow, I'm butchering that. Whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Echidnas. Echidnas. No, you're butchering it, and now I can't think of the word because you (laughs) said it so badly. I'll look it up to see uh, if I can find a better. I don't even know what they are, so I'm curious myself. They're like, uh, oh, kind of not squirrels, but like. Echidna? Echidna? No. I don't know. No. It's hard. I, you know how they have pronunciation things when you're like, oh, pronounce it like this. Like if you Google Echidna. Like, oh, that was pretty close. Echidna? Uh, I don't know. Now, now it doesn't sound good. Anyway, uh, if, you, if you ever look up like pronunciations of it, it's like how the heck do you know? Like you got an upside down E and the K looks weird. I was like, how do you – how do you make sense? I'd rather just read the word rather than the pronunciation spelling of it. I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Um, But they got those. Uh, They have parrots, they have cockatoos, they have reptiles, and a platypus. Visitors have the rare privilege of being able to hold koalas for a fee. They can also feed and pet free-roaming kangaroos and feed nectar to lorikeets. So that is your third option, the Koala Sanctuary. You've won a free trip, Brian. Where are you going? Well, I've been to Hilo before. I have not been to the 
Panaway, Panawea, and uh, whatever it was. Uh, Pad- Padmaja, Nadu, Himalayan. Are you mm, talking about that place? No, no, no. The rainforest. Zoo. Oh, the rainforest. Zoo. Oh, got it, got it. I've got been it. to Hilo. Okay. I have got not it. been to the Himalayas. So got I'm going to take out the the Hilo. Okay. Because I could probably go there anytime. So you're not going to go check out the white not Bengal tiger? Go check out the white Bengal tiger. Okay. I think I'm going to go with the koala sanctuary. Which actually, oh. I think uh, uh, Australia might be my next trip, my oh, next big nice foreign trip. Uh, but yeah, I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah, the Himalayan thing would be cool, but that means you probably have to go up to the altitude, and I don't know that I would want to go up to that altitude just to go to the zoo. I'd, okay. If I were to go up to that altitude, I'd probably at least want to hike to like Everest Base Camp or something like that. You know? Yeah. Um, there's probably more than I, I can experience at high altitude than just a zoo. Yeah, uh, I thought for sure after you uh, after you heard about the red pandas that you would pick the um, high altitude zoo. No, not that much. I. Uh, there's the red panda that flips the bowls into her head and while riding a unicycle. You looking at me like I'm crazy. What? Yeah, I am. What You've are you never heard about? of the red panda. The red panda? It's just Oh my goodness. It's my... Uh, what what are you talking You're about? You're gonna have to search red panda. Red and panda. I guarantee Do I have to look up red panda on a unicycle? Well, I'm I'm gonna guess that sh- she is at least in the top five searches. <laughs> this red panda looks so great. Cute red panda cubs go exploring. Most adorable red panda, cutest compilation. I mean, this is a pretty darn cute animal. Um, and no, uh, it's not. It's not coming up. Oh, three red panda cubs born in Kansas City Zoo. Uh, lots, lots going on, but I'm not seeing a panda riding a unicycle. Oh, oh, interesting. Unicycle, red panda unicycle. Performer or acrobat. Either one of those works, but. Wait, that's a person. Yeah. That's what you're referring to? <laughs> Her name is the red panda. Oh my God. I'm I mean, literally I, thinking. I do love red pandas. Red a pandas red are panda great. is ca- riding a unicycle. <laughs> throwing things on its head i cannot believe you've never seen this like this is like the prime halftime show of almost every yes i have seen a performer like this if not this performer and how the heck am i supposed to know that her name is red panda because everybody knows it no please comment right now (laughs) quest for 100 podcast if you poll if you know who the red panda is yeah I, and uh, you, you're going to be shocked that uh, no one knows who it is. No, false. Completely false. Anyways, we digress. My choice would be to see the real red panda um, and go to the uh, Padmaja Nadu Himalayan Zoological Park. Um, I would go there. Uh, there's just so many, excuse me, so many cool animals there. You got Tibetan wolves snow leopards i don't know what a blue sheep is but i assume it's blue Um, (laughs) that seems cool like would it it, uh would it kill you if it was not blue uh it would 
it would um, like it was like just the hooves or the lips of the sheep were blue because it's cold uh yeah that would be pretty disappointing but as, as long as there's these cute little red pandas though that's uh that would make me happy i'm like looking up some of these animals as i'm talking about them but it, it there's just a lot of cool animals there and i've never been to india so i think that would be that would be pretty cool the blue sheep does not look at all blue oh no i'm already disappointed Baral is the that's not blue at all no yeah chinese sorry huh sorry justin Oh, well, well, still, I'm going for At the least... red panda. I'm going for the red panda. I do. I will give you though that the um, the other location that you're going to in Australia. Yeah. I think that's really cool that you get to hold koalas. That was one of my favorite things when I was at the um, monkey sanctuary or monkey forest. Was that uh, you? Could, you didn't have to pay for it, but like literally, you could. Have, there was a guide there. They're like, you want to hold the monkey, and and there'd be like a million of them around. Yeah. And he, you could actually hold them, and that there's something really cool about interacting with an animal like that. So. All right. Well, we're you're not getting your blue sheep, so and you're at high altitude, so I think you're probably thinking delusionally. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. All right, Brian. I want to know. Would you rather live your rest of your life in a zoo? Yeah. A museum? Yep. Or a library? Okay, my first question is am I leaving this to go to work or am I literally just in these mm. places for forever and yes, I can move about them, but I'm never leaving those locations. You can never leave the location but okay. everything you need food, is there like yeah, you, you you yeah, got food bed, you yeah, got comfortable bed. living if you yep. are hurt you got you know hospital is there somehow um it's it's mainly hospital is there <laughs> okay you are you're in this this place um yeah for the rest of your life not even not even a question it's gonna be a zoo yeah there's no debate here I, I'm not a big reader, okay. So library would be out. Yeah, I would, even if I, even if I was a reader, I could gain a lot of knowledge, but I could never leave. So utilizing that knowledge would not be very much. Like, I think of the, oh, what's his name on Ready Player One, the uh, the little librarian guy. Um, he's a droid, but yeah, I forget it. Um. Uh, mm, uh, it's not out. Al- it's not Alfred. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. But I, I think about him, and and he obviously never leaves, there and he's obviously a droid. But um, you know, you'd only know what is in that books, like yeah. assuming you read them. And so that one's probably out. Okay, museum. I think night at the museum. Yep. And I think I would go crazy. Mm. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, depend like, if you're in a historical museum or dinosaur museum or yeah. whatever it might be, like, it would be a little, little crazy. Mm-hmm. So, without a doubt, it's going to be a zoo because 
yes, there are certain animals that I could never interact with, but at least I could interact with someone or something. So here, here's something we didn't specify. So I'll, I'll let you make the pick on this. Are you in this scenario? Are you literally by yourself living there or can other people come and go? Well, I figured, I figured people would come and go. Like you'd be working there and people would come and go. And, um, but at night you'd be by yourself for, yeah, maybe with your significant other if you could coax sure. someone into... to come live live with you there. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, my gut says zoo as well, uh, right off the bat. But I, I want to think through some of these other ones. So, library, sure. I I'm not the the biggest reader. I've gotten a little bit more into it uh, as of late. But but they also, I mean, the one of the best things about libraries is that you it's not just books. So you can have there's movies, there is audiobooks, there is uh, all sorts of stuff um, that's available there. I think it would be to have access to all of that would be pretty great. I don't I think the quiet would 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 destroy me. I don't know what it is. like I, I would need to be able to speak at a normal volume and that doesn't ever seem to be the case. Um, so in small doses, libraries are great, but I could not, I don't think I could live there. Similar situation. My mind goes to night at the museum. Um, and I feel like it'd be really creepy, uh, at night in a museum. Um, I don't know why it's any more creepier than a quiet library, but, um, maybe it's the thought of the things coming to life. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the other thing to think about a zoo or museum can be anything. Right, it could be the museum of oh yeah flight or the museum of video games video games or you know so I I kind of like the option there where you can kind of choose a, a museum that fits your your interests there but but the end at the end of the day I just like a zoo a zoo has got space you can kind of wander you can get outdoors which these other two don't have options you you know can grow and become kind of like you're you're at the zoo with the like you said you can kind of maybe become friends with the animals uh like they're your buddies i i i really like the zoo option here brian i think i'm i'm with you on this yeah it's uh i thought i would disagree but a rare rare case uh where we yeah i mean not all that rare i guess so but we're 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 becoming. Uh, I guess we are starting to agree more. I think as we do this podcast, when we first started, like how many episodes was it? Like of the first like ten or fifteen episodes, I think we disagreed um, on the uh, delusional thinking. I mean, we had time. we had some disagreements in this discussion today. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. So, I mean, doesn't always come up cupcakes and roses. Oh yeah, that is true. Well. Um, you uh, you've listened. I thought now. this was going to be a short one. I'm going to be. You know honest. how many times we say that, Brian? Like I thought this was going to be a really short one. Yeah. Well, we just start. It, it's the random talking about stuff, Brian. We'll just like something will pop up, like the Olympic Game Farm, and then we can talk about it and debate it, um, or humans in zoos. Why not? Um, but anyway, here we are, over an hour, and we're you're somehow still listening. So thanks for that. Um, 
as as always please subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts uh, and follow us on twitter facebook instagram you'll find us if you search for quest for 100 um and uh we're excited you joined us today yeah thanks for joining us on the quest for 100 Thank you.